Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Welcome to TC this morning. Oh, let's give it up for Jesus one more time all across this place. Man, we're excited. And we're so excited that you're here. Turning to the person next to you, tell them they look good this morning. All right, and I feel like there's more energy that's capable of being in the room than there currently is in the room. So we're going to try that one more time. Look at the person next to you and say, you look thinner than you did yesterday. There you go. Joy, joy, joy. Jesus' name. All right, just spread. Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay. Guys, we've been in the Sushi, Sex, and Subtitle series. We're wrapping it up today. I want to talk to you about the idea of now what. Turn to your neighbor and say, now what? All of you that are online, look at your cat that you're already let back in the house. And say, now what? Okay, so uh, now what? You had your wedding day. So we've been, just so we're clear, over all of the, the series, we've talked about singleness. We've talked about the idea of marriage. We've talked about sex. We've talked about all the things. And today we're going to wrap up the whole series because I want to talk to you today about, all right, we did all the stuff. Now I'm married. Now what? All right. So one more time, we'll never say, now what? All right, so now what? You had your wedding, you had your wedding night, you had your honeymoon, you're back at the house, and guess what? Now that all the stuff is over, now you get to live together forever. And how many married folks know that's, not, that's probably the harder part of all of this, right? Like how many of y'all uh, have someone, or you're married to someone, and they do some things that, that, that could annoy you sometimes, all right? All the women raised their hand, and none of the men did anything, okay? So that's a perfect example of what we're going to talk about today, all right? So well done, fellas, well done. All right, uh, all, all that to say is, here's what I believe. I believe, uh, and this is the first thing in your notes, I believe women are ready for their wedding. I believe men are ready for their wedding night. But I don't believe many people are preparing for marriage. So I think we've built up this tremendous idea Ladies of our wedding, you can't wait for your wedding. You've already got the flowers picked out, the colors picked out, the place picked out, the photographer picked out, the videographer picked out. You've already picked out all the music you're going to dance to. But a lot of times we haven't thought anything about what our marriage is going to look like. Fellas, you've thought about the wedding night. And that's about it. Okay, so... uh, But I want to talk to you because now that we're in it, we've got to walk this marriage out, don't we? And so what does that look like and how do we do that in a healthy way? And that's how we're going to wrap up this series. Ephesians 4.2 says this, always be humble and gentle. Now out of the gate, Ephesians 4.2 is breaking down some of our marriages. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Oof. Making allowance for each other's faults. Because of your love. Now, in all fairness, to be contextually accurate with the Bible, Ephesians 4.2 is not talking about marriage. It's just talking about people. So this is actually how we should treat just people. How many of y'all got some people you work with that got some faults? Okay. So how many of you, <laughs> wow. All right. How many, how many got some neighbors that got some faults? Right. So uh, we've all got people in our life. How many got friends that have faults? How many of you got spouses that have faults? I've got you, got you, got you. No, I'm just kidding. So, 
So we, we, we are around people that have faults, but here's the deal. Now, because when we pull out Ephesians 4, 2, and it's like, man, this is really just talking about how we should be in relationship with everybody, not just our spouse. The thing is, is why would we treat everybody better than our spouse? Like, if, yeah, Brad, that's how we're supposed to treat everybody, not just our spouse. Right, so why wouldn't you treat the person you're supposed to love, cherish, honor, and hold forever better than you would treat everybody outside? How can we reserve the worst version of us for our spouses, but our coworkers get the best version of us? How come we're committed to our boss, committed to our job, committed to our career, committed to our degree, and then whatever we have left at the end of all that, we're going to give to our spouse? Now, I know I'm not talking to anybody in this room, but what I'm saying is that this is the tendency that we have. So for us, we should be gracious and loving and patient and practice self-control in so many ways to model Jesus to our spouse more than we should do it to everyone else. So here's what I want you to write in your notes if you are taking notes with us today. Say, I want a healthy marriage. I want, see, the thing is, is you have to decide ahead of time that I want a healthy marriage. For those of you that are online, you have to decide ahead of time that I do, in fact, want a healthy marriage. Now, if you're here today and you're not married, if you're here today and you're divorced, if you're here today and you're single, I'm here to tell you, I want you to absorb all of this because whatever God has for you in the future, this can help. And so I want a healthy marriage. You see, this may not seem revolutionary, but declaring what you want helps measure the opportunities against what you may be tempted to have that would pull you away from it. I'm gonna say that again. Declaring this is what I want means that when opportunities come in your life that would pull you away from what you said you want, you're gonna now make a choice not to go after those things if it's gonna pull you away from this thing. So when your boss shows up to you and says, hey, I have this promotion for you, but it's gonna mean you gotta work all of these days, all of these nights per week, and and you're never gonna see your spouse or your family. Is it really a good opportunity to make $20,000 a year more if you don't see your wife anymore? And so, so many times we put our goals and our ambitions and our aspirations above the very thing that God called us to, and then we get shocked when it all falls apart. God, how come you weren't moving to my marriage? God said, I didn't have any room to move in your marriage because y'all were jacking it up the whole time. Okay. I remember when I, uh, when I was working with Pastor Dan, uh, and he was the lead pastor of the church, and we transitioned. So we, for those of you that <clears throat> never saw that, some of you are still with us from those days. We had a very traditional church, uh, not so much like hymns and stuff, but it was kind of a traditional old-school Pentecostal church. So it was one of them, like, you didn't know what was going to pop off on a Sunday morning. So, like, you, like you didn't invite your friends very much because it's like, I don't know if someone's on the ground. This, I don't know, flags. Like, you might have to dodge something. So, uh, like, we didn't necessarily invite our friends a lot to those spaces um, because just because. So anyway, so, uh, but I remember when we made the switch from that church to this one. And for him, he had done ministry one way for 35 years. And so that switch was hard. And so one of the things that I asked him in the beginning, as we were laying out this plan, I said, you know, uh, Pop, tell me exactly what it is that you want. What is the end goal? Like, what is it that we're hoping for? What is it that we want to have And so he told me, he communicated the vision. I said, okay, great. I said, because there's going to come a moment where someone is going to tempt you to pursue something different than what you said you wanted. 
And when that happens, I'm going to remind you that that's not the vision that is. Even though that looks good and that's a good idea for somewhere else and all those things, this is what you said you wanted. So we're going to, we're going to go after this. And, and, and so there were moments that came up during that time where he would say, you know, so-and-so said this, and I think it would be a good idea to do this. It would be a great idea to have a women's ministry. And I said, pop, all right, I think that's a good thing for somewhere else. But for us, we do small groups. So we got to get everybody in small groups. Or something else would pop up, hey, this might be a good opportunity to connect people. Cool, but you said you wanted this, so, so this is what you said you wanted, so we're going to go after this. Now, if you want this, I'll do it. You're the boss. Your name's on the sign. Okay, not mine. That took a while to grapple with, but nonetheless. Okay, so your name's on the sign, but if you, you said you wanted this, so if you want this, we're going to have to say no to this to say yes to this. And for many of us in our marriage, we're not willing to say no to this so we can make sure we're saying yes to this. We're, we're, we're trying to have everything and all the things, but we're not pursuing the most important thing, which is health. And for many of us, my encouragement to you is to realize that a healthy marriage means saying no to things that would cause your marriage to become unhealthy. And so we want to talk more about that. You see, in marriage, my temptation is to have it my way all the time. Am I right? Am I right? Okay. Y'all better help me today. Y'all better pick it up. I don't know, get a monster energy drink, something. Okay, so uh, how many guys know it's my, I, I'm tempted to have my way all the time, yeah? I'm tempted to, uh, I, I'm tempted to go into my marriage thinking my, my spouse is there to serve my needs. Like I'm tempted, to, I, I don't know about you guys, this is just a me thing, but I want control all the time, right? Until I don't want control and then I get mad because my wife won't take control. Okay, so that's, okay, nonetheless. So I want to be able to say whatever I want, whenever I want. I want, to be, I want to honor, uh, I don't want to honor emotional boundaries. I don't want to listen. I don't want to grow. I don't want to develop as a spouse or as a person. And then we use the excuse, well, that's just my personality. No, your personality is not an excuse to walk over your spouse like they don't exist, like a person you're supposed to hold, cherish, and love. And so we're supposed to be in our marriages in a partnership. And I love how people think that just because I'm a pastor, like magically me and my wife just have a marriage that is just stellar and awesome all the time. Like, well, he's the pastor. I mean, obviously, he doesn't have any problems. But I'm going to tell you today that my wife is wrong a lot. So I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love you, dear. She's going to make an appearance on stage today, so i got to chill out. Okay, so, but, but, but it happens. And, and even for me, it has happened before. And I'm here to tell you today that we all will have the opportunity to go after unhealthy things instead of healthy things in our marriage, but it has to be intentional to say, I'm prioritizing this, even if it means nothing else out there gets done the way I wish it would. My wife is my priority. The world around me may fall, but God put someone next to me to stand through it all. And so it's important that we honor people that way. So here's a few healthy things we've learned over the years between coaching and mentors and a great mother and father that I have and, and she's had that we've learned over the years. So all of this may not be revolutionary, but it's something I want you to get into your spirit, all right? If we're going to have a healthy marriage, this is what it's going to take. In a healthy marriage, we must be intentional about how we walk. In a healthy marriage, we must be intentional about how we walk. And what I mean by walk is how we live, how we act, how we treat each other. We have to be intentional about how we do those things. We, don't just, we can't just wild out all the time. We can't just treat each other any kind of way. We can't just do whatever we want, whenever we want. A healthy marriage is intentional about the way we live together. You see, 
You may look at our marriage and think that everything is fine all the time. Now, I will tell you, I am blessed. My wife is amazing. We've had one real fight in 11 years of marriage. Just one. And, but she got it together, okay? So it wasn't like it didn't last long. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, we've had one real fight in marriage, and I'm telling you right now, it was over a board game. <laughs> like, like the game Clue. It lasted 32 hours. Not the game, the fight. Okay, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'd have quit that game a long time ago. Anyway, okay, so Ephesians 5, 15, and it is talking uh, about our relationships, not marriage specifically, but this is what we see here. It says, be very careful then how you say that word, live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You see, in our life, in our marriages, in our careers, life in general, the days are evil. Now, that doesn't mean that the days are inherently out to get you. It means that everything throughout the day is trying to whittle down the priorities you set in your life. It means that your boss, your job, your coworkers, your neighbors, they're not looking for what's best for you. They're looking for what's best for them. Therefore, the days will constantly present to you things that would rob you of the healthy thing you've decided ahead of time, this is what I'm going to have. And so if it's constantly trying to take from us, we have to be aware. Listen, sometimes the enemy shows up in our marriage. Sometimes he shows up in our relationships. Life is trying to rob you of the elements of your marriage that keep you together. And sometimes uh, evil slips in. But hear me, sometimes the evil slips in not as the devil, but as a promotion. Like, the evil that we're talking about here isn't necessarily your addiction, it's your ambition. The thing that may kill your marriage may not be uh, the fact that you can't quit going to that website. It may be the way you can't stop talking to your wife a certain way or your husband a certain way. Like, a lot of times, the stress we're taking on somewhere else is affecting the relationship we're having here. And we have to realize, if we're going to have a healthy marriage, we got to become intentional about the way we live our life and how we let what happens in our life impact the relationship we have with our spouse. I'm a great compartmentalizer. I'm a, I'm a great compartmentalizer. In other words, when I walk away from something, I can put a lid on that bad boy, put it on the shelf, and not think about it until I open it back up. Now, that can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. But I'm here to tell you, when I, when I leave the office, I do everything in my power to say that's staying at the office. And when I walk into my wife, it's me and my wife. Now, there are moments that I've done six counselings in a day, and she, she wants me to come home and then use a lot of words. Now, ladies, I just want to help you out with something. You guys use about four times as many words per day as a man does. Like, I'm dead serious. That's, not, that's like a statistical thing. Y'all use four times the amount of words we do on a daily average. I went past a coffee shop the other day, and a group of our women were in it meeting together, and I was like, bro, there's a lot of words over there. <laughs> and so, but all that to say is, uh, I, I come home a few times, and she said, how, what happened in your day? Because she doesn't ask me how my day was. She just asked me what happened today. And I'm like, boy, that's not, I can't. I just, there was one day I told her, I'm like, listen, babe, I will tell you all of that tomorrow. But I'm out of words. Like, I can't even. And thank God she's gracious enough to be like, that's fine. What do you want to eat? And I was like, thank you, Lord, for this amazing wife that I have right now. She's like, I'll get you pizza. I'm like, and Jesus. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. But hear me. 
It's important that you understand this in how you live. Whatever it takes to make you happy is what it's going to take to keep you happy. And if, you're, if your spouse isn't enough between your spouse and God, if that's not enough for you to love and enjoy and flourish in life, whatever that thing is you need to add to yourself is what it's going to take to keep adding to yourself. And when it's not there, your spouse and God will never be enough for you. And we wonder why we're falling apart in our relationships, and it's because we've decided to add things to our life to try to make it healthy or better, and it's not working. You need to find great joy in God himself and the person he gave you and watch health flourish for you. And so <clears throat> two ways that we've done that, you can write these down, uh, the answer on how we live with a healthy marriage. The first thing is we've created healthy rhythms and healthy habits. That's not in your notes, but you can just write it down. We've created healthy rhythms and healthy habits. Wednesday nights, other than first Wednesday, every Wednesday night at 530, my wife has the rest of the night with me, and I usually don't even have my phone. If you want to get a hold of me, you got to know me well enough to call my wife to get me on a Wednesday night. You want to know why? That's her time. And I love all of you, but hear me, I don't love you more than her. So she gets me Wednesday from 530 till she usually is in bed when the streetlights come on, I think. She's back there somewhere. So like 7, 530 to 7. I'm just kidding. Like she, if you know her, that's funny. Anyway, so... Uh, but uh, she, she gets that part of me. Why? Because if I don't make it a point for her to have it, someone else will inevitably take it. And it's important that we become intentional about the way that we live. So we have healthy habits. And I want to say this, uh, this <clears throat> if you're married today and you have kids, it is vital. Turn your neighbor and say vital. Because I want you to get this. It is vital that you go on dates without your kids. Like it is of the utmost importance. I was talking to a young couple the other day, and they're like, yeah, we don't really go on dates anymore because we feel bad about leaving the kids at home. I was like, the most important thing you can do in your marriage for your kids is show them what a healthy marriage looks like. A biblical model of marriage with kids is actually the marriage first and the kids come second. Now, I don't have time to break all that down for you, but you need to be showing your kids what affection looks like in a healthy way. You need to be showing your kids what priorities look like in your marriage. You need to show your kids what love looks like. Husbands, uh, your kids need to see you cherish your wife enough to dress up sometimes and take her to a dinner and, 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 and make it a point to show them what affection and love and honor honor looks like. See, I, I'm blessed. My wife is a, a clearance section uh, shopper. And so she uh, constantly is like, I'm like, let's go on a date. And she's like, yeah, like Wendy's has the four for four still. And I'm like, no, baby, we're not, we're, we're not doing that. Uh, a, just no. All right, y'all know me well enough to know I'm not doing that. Okay, but but B, it's like part of me honoring her isn't necessarily spending money as much as it's when I have the opportunity to show her to the world, I want to do that. And that's important, especially for me being on the platform in the spotlights where the world sees me often but doesn't see her often enough. Those are my moments to say, no, 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 I'm proud for you to be the one that's on my arm. Like I'm proud for you to be the one that I get to take out. She's a fox. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Uh, she hates that, by the way. Hates it. All right. First Peter 4, 8 says this. And, I, and Oh, the second thing I want you to grab a hold of uh, under this, how we live, is it's important that you discover how your spouse is wired. 
We're all wired differently. And if you treat your spouse the way you want to be treated, that will never work. Because it may be words of affection that mean something great to you, but for her it may be touch. And so it's important that you figure out how they're wired. What is it that, how do they communicate love and need to be communicated love? Those things matter. First Peter 4, it says, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Listen, I can overlook, better yet, my wife overlooks a lot of my faults because she loves me so much. And it's important that we understand. Uh, I put this on the screen. Love your spouse like there's no tomorrow. And if tomorrow comes, love them more. How differently will we live our life? How differently will we honor our spouse if we were loving them as if tomorrow didn't exist? Would you cherish them differently? Would you hold them differently? Would you speak to them differently? Would you kiss them longer? Not to be weird, but you know what I'm saying. Like, would you, would you be slower to get out the front door to get to work if you knew there was no tomorrow? Because we're not promised that. I want to encourage you to live in your marriage in a way that lets your spouse know how much you love and cherish and honor them. Number two, and we are moving way behind. In a healthy marriage, we must be intentional about how we talk. In a healthy marriage, we must be intentional about how we talk. It's really hard to complain to God in your marriage about what you don't have when you're thanking God constantly about what you do have. It's really hard to stay mad at the person that God gave you when you're constantly thanking God for giving them to you. I'll even put it to you this way. It's really hard to stay mad at a spouse you're praying for. So, hear me. You want a healthy relationship? Change the way we talk. Not just to each other, but also to God about each other. Like, we need to honor that. Ephesians 5, 16 through 17 says this. I almost took it out, but I was like, no, we're going to leave this in. It says this, therefore, do not be foolish. Say foolish. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, he goes on to say, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Now, I'm not suggesting you need to constantly be walking around with a guitar singing worship songs to your spouse. Okay, that's not necessarily what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting is you need to be aware, A, about what you do in your personal space in regards to drinking, in regards to other things. I'm not here to do the anti-drinking thing. That's not my job uh, at that context uh, when it comes to your marriage. What I am telling is you need to be aware of how your behavior patterns affect the way you talk to your spouse. Like You need to be aware of what you let into your spirit. When you hang out with certain people, fellas, does it cause you to degrade your wife when you get home? And if it does, you need to remove them from your life. Because if you already chose a healthy marriage, that means people that are helping you create an unhealthy one got to go. I figured I'd get more on that, but whatever. All right. So I'm here to tell you we have to be aware. So which leads about you, he said, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns. And so here's the thing I want you to understand. It's important that you have intentional communication in your marriage. Intentional communication. If you're going to have a healthy marriage, you have to have a time. I would recommend each month where you have a conversation about how you can be better for your spouse. And it's a non-offensive zone. So whatever their answer is, isn't something I can be like, oh, 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 oh. like, no, 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 this is a non-offensive zone. Hey, I would really appreciate it if you would do the dishes more. 
bro, listen, dishes and laundry are my, I, I despise those things in my bones. Like, God won't let me win the lottery because I would use dishes and throw them away. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he won't let, because I would buy clothes, wear them once, and just donate them just so I didn't have to wash them. Okay, y'all know, like, that's, that's how, but nonetheless, but you know what, when, when I talked to my wife and she said, I really, it would be very, it would mean a lot to me if you would do the dishes more. And so guess what I do when I wake up every morning at five o'clock? I show her that I love her by doing the thing that I don't like. But guess what? That's what marriage is. Everyone doing stuff we don't like. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so having, that, that rolled out in laughter. I felt that. Okay, so uh, intentional, celebration, uh, intentional communication. The second thing we're talking about talk is celebration. How often do you celebrate things in your home? Hear me. What you celebrate, you will repeat. What you talk about, you will repeat. So if you only ever talk about the negative, guess what you're going to repeat? The negative. But if you build a culture of celebration in your home, where every time something great happens, you pause for a second and thank God for what he has given you. Thank God for the blessings he's poured out on you. And you communicate with celebration. You know, we don't have to be here, but God, God has done this, or God has given you that raise, or God has done that in your life, or God has done that in your career. Man, we celebrate. We're going to dinner tonight. We're going to celebrate what God did in that. Listen, you'll change the tone of your marriage if you'll learn to celebrate more. Because how many know there's always something to complain about? Kids lost their mind. Your boss is an idiot. Sorry, I shouldn't say idiot from the plot. Whatever. So, like, you know, like, just there's always stuff to complain about. We need to celebrate more. And then lastly, we need to cheer. Just cheer. Uh, That's in your talk. So in a healthy marriage, we should have more cheer. Hear me. uh, A marriage where you constantly walk on eggshells will eventually crack under the pressure. So you need to have more cheer in your marriage. All right, let's keep going because I'm running behind already. In a healthy marriage, we follow God's design. And we hit on this a few weeks ago, but I wanted to give it to you um, because it's important that you see that God has designed what this marriage is supposed to look like. So in a healthy marriage, we follow God's design. We're going to go to Ephesians 5 for this and keep going through Ephesians 5. Verse 21 through 28 is what we're breaking down. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Say submit. All right, submit for one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, God is going to show us how that submission is supposed to look, okay? Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, uh, you'll remember the dance that we did on stage, right? If you haven't seen that, you can go check it out online, whatever you need to. But uh, let's go to how that submission is to look. Let's keep going. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, the wives are like, all right, bro, move on. Okay, but I want to help you with this because, ladies, I want to give you some freedom from the dictatorship mentality of this verse. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Wives, as you come to your husband with godly submission, you are acknowledging all of the freedom, all of decision-making you have for your own life. The same way the church, can, the church has the freedom in its decision-making, even though it's submitted to Christ. But acknowledging that there are certain places where you should say, husband, you're leading me in this. All right, to protect me, to keep me connected, to nurture me, and to love me, 
Hear me, the same way Christ does that for the church. So how many know we can do whatever we want, but Jesus steps in and says, you can, but if you want to do healthy things, you need to come this way. So when a, when a godly husband is leading correctly, a godly wife can submit to the authority. The problem is we've been asking wives to submit, but husbands ain't been doing their job. And so we submit, 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 but you're out there not doing any part because Godly submission is important. Listen, if we can change the tone of submission to a dictator to submission to my leading partner, the dance can be beautiful. And then it goes on and says this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So to be clear, I want to make it easy for you, fellas, all right? Uh, Fellas, just say, yeah, real quick. Okay, that was terrible. Uh, Let's try that again. Fellas, say, yeah. Yeah. Okay, very good. I want to make sure all y'all are with me. One more time, deeper voice, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that was, uh, all right, that'll work. Uh, Ladies, say, yeah. I don't, no, I don't even know. It's, it's just a mess. I wanted to see if y'all were with me more than the fellas were, uh, but apparently not. They're like, I don't even know what you're about to say right now. I'm not in this, okay? Here's what I want you to understand, husbands. <clears throat> this is what marriage looks like. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Die to yourself. <laughs> Ladies, that was not your moment, okay? So just so we're clear. <laughs> but seriously, husbands, die to yourself to your ambitions that would steal the love away from your bride. Die to that. To the desire for power so much that you would emotionally or physically or mentally abuse this gift God gave you, die to that. To the thing that says you need to make more money more than you need to love your spouse, die to that. To the thing that tells you you need control all the time, die to that to the thing that tells you that you need to constantly hold power. Die to that. Because what it actually means to love your wife the way Christ loved the church means to give yourself up for it. Now hear me, I'm not suggesting you don't need to have a job. Okay, so that don't, don't get crazy on me with this. Please have a job. What I'm saying is, When you put anything else above, other than God himself, above your spouse, you've already become the husband that's not worth submitting to. And so if we're going to do this properly in God's design, again, go back to the verse. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, that's what your love for your spouse is supposed to look like. Yes, work. Yes, lead, but do all of that from the posture of love that is not mistaken. I lead my wife not because I need to be in charge, but she needs me to be in charge. I lead my wife as a powerful man, not because I need power, but because she needs me to be powerful. I am the security blanket for my wife, not because she's completely fragile and helpless, I am that because she needs me to be that so that she can be for me what she needs to be for me. 
And oftentimes in our marriage, we're expecting so much, but we're providing so little. And that's not just husbands, that's wives too. We're expecting so much, but we're giving so little. And if we could change that, we could start to see truly healthy marriages take place. And so we, it's about giving. God's design is important for your marriage, but also as the example for you that have kids to your kids. Husbands and wives are the image that Jesus has selected to show the world what his love looks like. And so we should show the world, we should show our kids, we should show the people around us the love that Jesus has for his church by the love that the husbands have for their wives. That's what it should look like. And so we should provide that to them. And so lastly, I want to give you this. In a healthy marriage, we build on a solid foundation. In a healthy marriage, we build on a solid foundation. I'm going to give you this, Matthew 7, 24 through 25. Jesus says, therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Say rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And I'm going to invite my wife out here. She's somewhere back in there. I don't know where she's at. She's, she's going to make an appearance on stage as she has been doing more frequently. Um, there she is. Can you all give it up for my wife? <laughs> Amazing. You can come over here. Yeah, no, don't hide behind there. So we stayed up till midnight building these little wedding cakes, okay? So, uh, yes, we did. But here's what I want you to understand. Uh, Ash, let's, let's show them what a healthy foundation looks like. We're going to turn this around just a little bit. Look at that teamwork, baby. I want to show you what a healthy foundation looks like. Because a healthy foundation for your marriage is built on spiritual practices, And after spiritual practices, it's built on a social connection. In other words, you can love your spouse and your spouse can love you. But if you don't have genuine relationships pouring into your marriage, it's going to fall apart. Uh, Next after that is interpersonal connection, which is uh, the idea of communication. We need to be communicating effectively. And then it's emotional connection. And then it's physical. Right? And so when we build it correctly... Everything stands, and listen, even when things get bumped a little bit, guess what's happening? It's still standing. If my wife wants to bump it towards me, right, she says, like, oh, you're going to wild out. Okay. So, like, you, like, but hear me, when you bump it, it can stand. But here's, here's what many of us have tried to do is we've tried to start in the wrong spot by building our foundation on sex first. We're looking, I'm, I'm trying to find the physical, I, 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 they got to look pretty enough. They got to, they got to have the right look. You know, I'm only into brunettes or ladies. He's got to have an eight pack. Okay. Like what? Like, six pack ain't enough. Okay. Like, like, listen, he might have a keg. Okay. You need to chill out. Okay. But anyway, so, but here's the thing. And, and hear me. We try to put our communicative styles on top of our physical attraction. And we wonder why it keeps falling apart. So, and then if, if everything's going right, we'll bring in some relationships around us. So, and what happens is this. You guys ready? When, when our physical attraction to each other starts to fade, uh, and then we start to get emotionally damaged, and then our communication starts to lack, then we try to, fi- try to find some friends that can fix us. Hey, help. We, we need help. It's just not working. Yeah, it's not working because you started there. 
And then guess what happens? We come in and then, you know, if, if we have time left, we'll let church and God be a part of it. Here's the problem with this model. So it doesn't take very much to send it all over. And when we've built on the wrong foundation, we wonder why things fall apart so easily. But let's build it again, Ash. You want to grab the spiritual one? And so we're going to build it real quick the right way. She's so strong. Okay, so set it right there. Okay, so, all right. Now, when we build spiritual, and then we, we come in and we put some relationships in place, and then we start working on our communication, and then we become emotionally connected, and then we allow our physical lives to be attracted to each other because everything else is in line. It doesn't matter what comes along to bump it because we're still here. But how many guys have ever looked at someone who was, had the right model and it looks good, doesn't it? Like it's like, man, that looks, that looks good. It's strong, it's sturdy. Ash, let's turn this one around because this one it's still very much the same way. But the thing is, we've all seen people whose relationships look good. But how many guys have ever seen someone with a relationship, it looked great, but when the storm came, like that said in the builder, it still was able to fall over. But meanwhile, there's some relationships that it doesn't matter what gets blown against them. They may get knocked off track a little bit, but it just seems like there's something different going on in their relationship. Anybody ever seen people like that? It's like, man, I know y'all have problems, right? It's like, yeah, we have problems, but there's just something else. Like, y'all running issues, right? Like, surely y'all's physical isn't always going well. Like, surely you, emotionally you guys have some issues. Like, surely your communication style isn't always great. Like, surely your social circles can jack you up a little bit. And surely you guys aren't spiritually always on the same page. But you want to know what's different? It's the people that never seem to quite get bothered got something else running through the middle of their relationship. You see, there's something else that's running through the middle. And, and so there's something connecting all of these things. And I'm here to tell you today, it's when God steps into our relationships and he makes sure that no matter what is falling apart around us, it doesn't mess us up. And so you got to build it on a healthy foundation. But even when you build it on a healthy foundation, you got to make sure that the missing element is running through the middle of it. Because how many guys know life is constantly throwing things at us that will mess us up? Can I get an amen on that? I was like, can I get an amen on that? Give my hand, give my uh, amazing wife a hand. She's so. I'm gonna give you this last quote and we'll end. Because this is a question I have for you as we wrap up today, wrap up the series. How different would it be if God wasn't just the accessory in our marriage, but he was everything to our marriage? You can have the communication, you can have the talk, you can have the walk, you can have the, the right model, you can have God's design, you can even build it on a healthy foundation. But hear me, if you don't have God running through the middle of it, it's not going anywhere. 
It'll fall over just like everything else. And so I'm here to tell you today that we need God moving in our marriages. Can I get an amen on that? And so when we've built our marriages on the proper foundation based on God's design that causes us to love and honor God and each other, we are set up for lasting, healthy marriages. And so I want to do two things today. I want to pray for our marriages, actually. And then I want to pray with you. And so God, I just pray right now for the marriages of every person that is in this room or watching us online or listening to this right now. God, I pray that you would move your hand over their marriages, that you would move your hand, God, and that you would speak life, God, that you would bring hope, that you would bring joy, you would bring peace. In Jesus' name, God, that you would bring the encouragement to them, God. We thank you, Father, that for all that you're doing, God, I pray that husbands would love their wives better and wives would love their husbands better. God, that you would bring them together. They would intentionally communicate. They would intentionally live. And that, Father, you would be glorified in all of those things. Let our marriage be the example of Christ to the world. We thank you today and we love you. In Jesus' name, if you are here today and you just don't know God, For some of you, maybe you're married and your marriage isn't working, but just like we showed you, God's not running through the middle of it because God's not a part of your life. Very quickly, whether you're single or married or engaged or whatever, if you're here today and you need God to be part of your life, uh, the Bible says this, we can come to him and he'll forgive us of our sins and we'll become right with him again. And today, if you need God, to wipe away your sins, give you a clean slate, and you're ready to give your life to him and go on a journey with Jesus forever, then I'm here to invite you into that. And so, uh, church, we're going to pray with all of those. If that is you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. The whole church is going to pray with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. I give you my life. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. And through your power, you can give me a fresh start. So I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that perhaps for the first time today. Man, we celebrate with you guys.